Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. If it's for a narcissist, the reason that they hack into anybody else's email or phone or whatever else, it's obviously to gain leverage or supply. I've watched a lot of your stuff, too. (laughs) Very good, student. You get your gold star. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so you know, control and find out information and all that stuff, right? Information is key to a narcissist. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth. In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung, and I'm like crazy excited to have this conversation today with Rick Jordan, who I actually got to be on his show, but really, really more excited to have him on mine because he is the leading expert, one of the leading voices on cybersecurity. He works in all different areas of cybersecurity, tons of different topics. He's been on TV everywhere that you can possibly imagine. He's been featured in movies. He's been, he's spoken at all the top companies, including Coca-Cola. He's absolutely amazing. We have so much to talk about around cybersecurity. And so welcome, 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 Rick Jordan. What's shaking, Rebecca? It's good to see you again. It's so good to see you too. So I think it's actually really interesting. Your background is really, really interesting. You, I mean, you're, you're what I call the back of the business card instead of the front of the business card. I like um, that. Yeah, I mean, you, a, a coffee enthusiast and scotch connoisseur. You and my husband would get along so well. <laughs> I love is, McAllen's. I love. Oh I my god, McAllen yeah. eighteen is his fave. So um, yeah, he actually started a scotch club, and I mean, it's like a whole thing. And you, you lost eighty pounds on your own. Yeah. Uh, you lost your father when you were very young. You, you, I mean, you've got a lot going on. There's so much. Um, so ha- tell us about your background. How did you get into being a top cybersecurity expert? That's a, that's a cool story. When I was around 16, it was really right after my dad passed, I joined the police cadets. And it was just kind of this, I don't know, because it was a traumatic experience, right? Obviously, your father dying when you're young, and especially having a younger brother and sister, 10 and 11 years old, I immediately went into this almost like protective instinct that I didn't even know I had. So in that, it was just my life geared towards protecting the disadvantaged and those taken advantage of. So I thought, hey, law enforcement's the way to do that. And when I turn 18, I'm going to enroll in the Marine Corps, be military police, and then I can be a state law enforcement officer, a trooper, whatever, wherever I want to. And that was the path I was headed on. But then things happen. And I have some interesting stories in my book about why that didn't happen, just around ethics and actually narcissism and different cover-ups. And I'm like, maybe this isn't the path for me. And then literally, I just sort of fell into technology. 
And it was something I always had an aptitude for that worked really, really well. But it's the cybersecurity side, the human psychology part is really what interests me the most. And I'm also an ordained pastor. I don't know if you saw that. You know, I did see that too, yeah, which is really interesting. My, my uh, father-in-law was a Baptist minister as well. It's intriguing because there's a lot of narcissists that exist in the religious world. And that's why I'm not active even in that world anymore, because I saw a lot of themes that I'm sure you deal with on a daily basis. So now it's, hey, let's bring the truth to a lot of people. And that's kind of what my whole purpose in life is, is bringing truth into this world. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's dig into the whole thing around cybersecurity. First yeah. thing I want to ask you about, I want to know what you meant when you were talking about the, the human psychology. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Th- there's uh, one thing I always talk about on stages. You know, you mentioned a couple places like NASDAQ, the Harvard Clubs, you know, Mercedes, Coca-Cola. I love talking about the human aspect of cybersecurity. Is it, there's only about 18% of us, and I always throw the stat out because it's from the Department of Homeland Security. I even threw it out in a room at the White House when I was consulting the previous administration last year about border security, AI, all of that. And when I said that stat, they all laughed in the room that I was in. I was in the Secretary of War room, and then they all kind of like sighed, like, no, because they it's know the, it's true. So the security is uh, the... Um, the Secretary of War the, room? No, 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 no. Um, uh, what, what's that stat again? 18% of us are the only ones that really know what's going on. And the other 82% that are in this field, it's not that they don't have maybe good intentions, but they ignore the elephant in the room or that it's just too overwhelming because a lot of them are very tech driven, which I grew up an engineer too. I learned all that stuff, but still going back to my childhood, I was always interested in the people aspect, the human side of things. And that's the part because it's always a human being behind any hack. It's always a human being behind any sort of breach that exists. Technology is just kind of the tool. And depending on what type, we call them threat actor profiles, depending on what type of threat actor it is, will determine what the motivation is behind it. So if it's cyber crime, that's typically organized and they're after money or something else, right? If it's a nation state, which is another threat actor profile like China, Russia, any of the others you see in the news, it's for geopolitical destabilization. If it's for a narcissist, the reason that they hack into anybody else's email or phone or whatever else, it's obviously to gain leverage or supply. I've watched a lot of your stuff, too. I love you again. <laughs> Very good, student. You get the gold star. Um, yeah, so and it's to you know, control and find out information yeah. and all that stuff, right? Information is key to a narcissist. I know that because I've been partnered with a narcissistic business partner. If you want to call the pastors that I was with, I was always the number two in churches. They really were kind of like a business partner as well. I see this in a lot of marriages also to where that need for supply is really the need for control. And the best way to have control is to have information. How do you gain that? By any means necessary. There's the motivation. And that's the threat actor profile. We call those insider threats in the cybersecurity realm. So a narcissist really is kind of like an insider threat. Totally is an insider threat. I mean, and people are really scared. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with people where they're like, I think he's hacked into my phone. I think she's hacked into my email, you know, all of that. I actually had a situation one time where uh, my client had emails just completely disappear from his email. Like it just was gone, like wiped 
like emails that he know knew he had at the like the entire file just like disappeared. How does that happen? Most of the time, it's they know your passwords, and that's the that's the bad part. This happens in the business world too, and it's the same password you use for Netflix. It's typically the same password that someone in the business realm will use to log into their corporate network at a law firm or a manufacturing facility. They're always never complex. You like that juxtaposition, always never? That's typically what I see. And one of the biggest tips I can use for anybody to block out your narcissist partner, husband, wife, whatever, is change all your freaking passwords and make them complex. Use a password manager, something like OnePass or LastPass. Those are two of the apps that I recommend. They work on iPhones, Android, desktop computers, PCs, Macs, anything. And here's a little secret about me. I don't even know my own banking password. That's how secure that I am because these things are awesome. They use one master password that's really long. Mine is 18 characters, a bunch of gibberish. It means nothing, but it's the only thing I have to memorize. And as long as I have that, that gets me into every other site that I need to, banking, lawyer, whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay, but assuming they didn't have the password, yeah. which I agree with you a lot of times they do, and, and that's yep, yep. definitely one of the things I recommend to people right away is change all your passwords on everything yeah. and be aware of cloud devices. I tell people that all the time too. You know, your email might be going to the iPad that you left in the marital home or whatever. Um, you know, so I do tell people that, but I mean, I've seen situations where it's more than just the the passwords. Like they've literally broken in somehow, um, like through knowing the IP address or something. I don't know, but for sure, uh, you mentioned iPad, and there's a there's a connection that happens with Apple devices specifically and Google devices. Both Apple has their iCloud family, and then Google has their family link. These allow anybody else in the family who's designated as an organizer or a parent to be able to get into another device, put it into lost mode to where they can get into that device. So if, they're, if you're in a scenario, whether it's business or a relationship, and you have that connection with an iCloud family plan or a Google family link, break that immediately and start your own circle and be on your own plan. You know, it might cost a little more for the time being. But, you know, it might be 10 bucks for the whole family. Like I pay 10 bucks a month for my whole family, kids, wife, all that. But you might just pay $2 a month or $5 a month on your own. It's really negligible when it comes to actually maintaining that privacy that you need, especially for leverage if you go to mediation or trial. Yeah. I mean, but I've seen people be able to, I mean, I had a situation one time where an opposing client actually broke into our computer system and I had a server, I had, I had an IT guy who was like, you know, doing all sorts of things to make sure we were protected. And here this guy was able to break in and we knew that he did because he actually took a screenshot of my files um, and sent it like, I mean, that was pretty scary. Like, how does that happen? That's likely from phishing. I don't know if you're familiar with phishing, but anybody can do this. You can go into fiverr.com and pay five bucks for a phishing email template and a site that's built to grab this information. Because to actually break in, this is something I teach about too, because I'm CIA and NSA trained. And when it comes to organized crime, it takes millions of dollars, like research and development, to actually find that one silver bullet to to break into anybody's computer. 
So when you spend that money, you're going to save it for like Putin's laptop or something like that because it just costs so much. But back to you and me, the way that people get in is they'll send you an email. This is called phishing that will look like Google. It will look like Microsoft and say, hey, we detected some irregularities with your account. Log in to view the alerts. And this is an email that comes across. It's got the Microsoft logo. It's got the Google logo. It looks perfectly legit. You click on that link and it takes you to a website that looks just like Microsoft or just like Google. You enter your username and password. Oh, but wait, it's not Microsoft. It's not Google. It's something that your business partner or whoever else or this organized criminal decided to buy on Fiverr for five bucks and launch up. And now they have your exact email address and password to get into your systems. So there's ways to prevent this. And it's really, it's the human aspect again. When you see something that looks alarming in any way, I mean, especially if it's, hey, we noticed an alert, right? It's probably a hacker. Take a look at the email address because you might see Microsoft.com, but the I might be an L. So if you're reading just right through it, it might be MLCrosoft.com instead of Microsoft. But just at a glance, it looks fine. So yeah, it's just I, I always just, verifying those. It's so true. I, we just had one uh, situation with our my PayPal for my business. Um, you know, one of the ways that we offer for people to purchase my programs is through PayPal credit because then yeah, they get yeah. six months of no interest and all of that. So my PayPal account is pretty active. And we got an email saying, oh, there's a, a, a breach on your account. There, it's you gotta, gonna be, gotta. Uh, there's going to be a temporary hold on it unless you do this, this, and this. Which and freaks you out because it's money. Wait, I can't access my money? I can't access my yeah, money. Yeah. People can't purchase the programs. That's like, you know, income, of course. And so my COO is like, oh my God, what's going on? And my customer service rep was like, and then the girls were like, oh, wait a minute, look at the email. And, and if you looked at the email of where it came from, it was clearly not anything to do with PayPal. But it, it. I mean, it had the logo and yeah, like yeah. it looks like really legit. Scary stuff. It is. This is what we call social engineering because, it, again, it's the psychology. It's the human aspect. It's so much easier for a hacker to try to get into your mind and mess with that than it is to try to spend literally millions of dollars to get that one silver bullet to perform what's called a true hack. Yeah. So what would you recommend people do? I want to ask you about this as far as hacking into devices before we yeah. go into, um, you know, like video cameras and tracking devices and all that sort of thing. So what would you recommend people do with regard to their devices? Sure. Turn off Face ID when it comes to an iPhone, because that's something that anybody that you're with in a relationship or business partner, if they catch you, they can just hold your phone up and now all of a sudden they're into it. You know, they're a lot, they're getting better at this, but still I know stories of sisters or mom and daughter that can unlock each other's phones with face ID. You know, and I even have one that works for me. They're like, watch this, you know, and it was a mom and a daughter and they could unlock each other's phones just because of how similar their facial features were. Right. And here's a little tip too, because I don't know how this plays out in trial or mediation, but I do know when it comes to border control, when you go through the United States customs, right, they can force you to unlock your phone or even just regular law enforcement. They can force you, compel you to unlock your phone with your face. However, if it's just a passcode, they cannot compel you to unlock your phone because that's knowledge that they are illegally able to compel you to give up. 
in that moment because it's more secure that way. And I don't know exactly how the law is written. I just know that's the case. But if they say, hey, even a fingerprint, the older phones, they can compel you to put your finger on it and unlock it or your oh, face. Let's hope we don't end up in that situation. But I know, good I know. to know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. So how about like recording devices and um, video devices and things like that? Tell us more about that. Yeah, there's a lot of devices available. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high-conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. It, it wasn't easy. Um, it, it, the, you know, negotiating with a narcissist, in my humble opinion, begins with negotiating with yourself. What are you willing to tolerate? Thank you. What are you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to not tolerate? We don't get our goals. We get our standards. And now we return to today's show. Okay, so let's talk about spy spyware yeah, and yeah. you know all that sort of thing. I mean, it, there's like there's a lot of different spyware that people can use. You know, they can figure out what you're typing or I, I so tell tell us about that. Yeah, those are pretty simple to install and those are the another example of what you can buy for $5 these days. It's very simple to install an app that doesn't notice or you won't notice that it's actually on your computer it's easier to do this on a pc than it is a mac just for everybody out there it's easier to do this on an android phone than it is an iphone iphones you have to jailbreak to do this so there's a lot more effort if i'm thinking from a you know a a conflictive scenario where you have a narcissist if i'm looking at it from that perspective it's more work for the other person to try to jailbreak an iphone because then they have to physically take your phone somewhere to do it for the most part Androids, you can sideload apps. PCs, you can load whatever app you want on there. And now they can see what you're typing. They can look at screenshots like you were talking about, anything they want to do. And you'll never know that that foothold is there. So the best thing to do is don't let them access any of your stuff. And this is the, the human aspect again. You mentioned an example of the iPad was left at the previous residence you know, or the, or the marital home. That does happen all the time. And if it comes down to like a checklist that you want to make of all your devices, take an inventory 
and make sure that you get everything out of that home. Make sure that you get everything out of that business. Because there are ways that when you're not looking, I'm like, oh yeah, you left your laptop here and they've already had enough opportunity to have somebody easily break that password. Because I've hacked a Windows PC before, 90 seconds is all it took me to get it. 90 seconds. And how did you do it? It's through free tools that are available on the internet. There's Linux to, I don't know if you've heard of Linux, but it's something you just download, you connect the computers together, and it's a brute force attack. And it was a 16 character complex password that was just the gibberish I was talking about, meant nothing, but 90 seconds I was in. It's super simple. Goodness, that's so scary. It is, but that comes back to the human side, right? Don't leave your stuff where other people can find it. It's where they have access or, or, to it. Or put ad apps on it or whatever Yes. while you're in the shower. Because <laughs> if they have access to it, they can load on there whatever they want to. And then if they're really and, looking Can you for, see it? Like, does it show up as an app on your phone? Like, would you go, oh, that's a weird app. Why is that on there? No, it won't even show. And this is how, in the area of surveillance, because that's one of the, the areas that the CIA trained me in, this is how you're able to gauge employee behaviors. And I do this in my cybersecurity firm. We track data and look for irregularities, and it's using apps like this. So in the corporate world, when you're using a corporate-owned asset, a laptop that's given to you by your office, by your company, they can load on there whatever they want to. That's protected by law because it's a corporate asset. Things are a little hairier these days and work from home because a lot of people are using their home devices so they can't load those apps. We can't anyways without permission of the person that owns that, so the, the at-home worker. But if you leave that laptop, I mean, in the old marital home, what are they going to do? Because you know, isn't that a joint asset? I don't know. It is. Yeah. It is a joint asset. They can do anything they want to. It's, yeah. Uh, and you'll never know that it's on there. It doesn't even show up. That's the, the greatness about what I do for a living because I'm able to save companies multiple millions of dollars from employees that are trying to steal from them. But from a marriage perspective or even like a business breakup, it's bad news for the person that's actually in the right. You know, not the narcissist. The narcissist can gain a whole bunch of leverage in this scenario just by loading these apps on. And the other person will never know. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. So how about like recording devices and um, video devices and things like that? Tell us more about that. Yeah, there's a lot of devices available. You see, you know, like Arlo, I think, has made my Netgear if you're talking homes and everything. I mean, we do that kind of surveillance. I mean, I've got a security camera right up there in the studio here as well. They're pretty obvious to spot, but nowadays you can get ones if you really want to spy on people that are the size of a little pin. They're very inexpensive. And again, it still comes down to that physical access component. Make sure that nobody has access to wherever you're recording it to. And still the most secure way to do this is to have a device on site, meaning we call them DVRs, digital video recorders. Everyone's heard of those back in TiVo days from satellite TV. You know, not many, everybody streams now, so there's not much point for DVRs in the home anymore. But if you're really looking to gain that, I mean, there's a lot of devices. I mean, you can even come up with a story if you want to. If you're trying to catch the narcissist on camera doing something like that, it's very inexpensive to have these things put in. And likewise, they could do the same to you. you know, but, there's, but you have to have access to the home exactly. the business, obviously. You do, exactly. See, it always comes down to the human aspect, the physicality of things. Yeah, but you know, they could put an app on their phone or something with these cameras and they just can. be watching you all day long, I'm, I'm assuming. They can, and the yeah. best way to do this is if you're in a hairy situation like that and you think there might be something going on, or even if you don't, you just want to be sure, 
no joke, chuck those things in a lake. I'm not even kidding. Because <laughs> start over. Yes, it's going to cost you some money, but it's going to cost you a lot more in the long run if you don't secure yourself. If you're out for a week from the house or from the business and it's like, oh, I left my iPad there, like you said, or a laptop or a phone, whatever, who cares? You know, Just go pick it up and then chuck that thing in the lake because there's probably something on it at that point if it's that type of scenario. Mm. So if somebody does, you know, I'm just thinking, um, going back to the phishing thing, if somebody is able to hack into your computer or something, is that something that you can track or trace? It is. There's forensic cybersecurity and forensic investigations when it comes to cyber. That's something that there's specialized firms for. And I partner with somebody who does that. That's really getting into like the nitty gritty of the hacking. And you can trace IP addresses at that point, who connected to it. You can trace geolocations that way, meaning where the person was. You know, those firms are not that expensive. So think about, you know, in a marriage scenario, you hire a PI, a private investigator, to take photos, you know, to, to see where somebody's at, whatever. Nowadays, you can hire forensic cybersecurity agencies to do that to a device. You can do yeah. that to a computer. You know, so yeah. it, and it's not that expensive to do so. So whoever yeah, you're I, with, I've, I've done that before in some of my cases. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The guy that I used to use, he was like former FBI or something. And that's it. where yeah. he like learned how to do it. And um, really fascinating stuff. I've sat in vans taking photos on, on missions before. So it's, really? yeah, it's, it's fun in some ways, but at the same time, you know, you have to remember really who you're working for and to try not to get emotionally involved, involved because, even if you're in that bad scenario, that bad partnership with a, a marriage or business, whatever it is, I've noticed, you know, or even a, a religious scenario like me and three different pastors to where they were all narcissists. A lot of times they didn't have any emotion. And I realize this in hindsight, they have no emotion towards you pretty much whatsoever. Oh, yeah, because that's what makes them narcissists. I mean, they act like they care. And, and, and you see covert narcissists a lot in the religious sector because, you know, they want that position of trust yeah, yeah. and respect and all that sort of thing. But then, you know, they're very good at targeting certain individuals uh, and doing things that are uh, passive aggressive enough that they have plausible deniability when it comes to the rest of the world. Oh, I didn't mean it like that, or they took it wrong, or it was inadvertent, or, you know, something like that, and you know that it wasn't. Um, I don't know. You just like bullet pointed 10 years of my life right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't like covert narcissists. I had to deal with two in my life, and um, they... um, suck in every way, excuse yeah, my French, yeah. but they just do, which is why I have a passion for this. Um, so what's like one of your uh, craziest stories in dealing with cybersecurity? Wow. This, um, this involves some physical security as well. And uh, I also owned a past tense. I'm not in that business anymore, but a private security and investigations agency. So I combined a lot of the physical aspects with the, the technical aspects, and it made for this amazing one-two punch. There was one scenario where there was a, an older gentleman who had Alzheimer's, and there was siblings. There was four or five siblings. I can't remember exactly how many. And they were going into the dad's room because he was in hospice care, couldn't remember really anything, and getting him to give up things like passwords. 
you know, to bank accounts and those things. So, you know, he was worth maybe about a million and a half dollars. I mean, that's about li- how much liquid he had just sitting around. And they were illiquid. It was around 10 million. So it was, a, it was a high profile case. They would give him to sign over assets or give him access to the bank accounts and all that. So we ended up posting round the clock guards. That way nobody could get in except the trustee of the estate, which was one of the siblings. And then we were able to track how much money and where it was going to because they even set up bank accounts that were offshore in order to transfer this money out. That way nobody else could touch it. But when I say craziest scenarios, this is where it got really messed up because at the funeral when the gentleman finally passed, we had intelligence that there was actually an order for a hit against the the sibling who was a trustee of the estate. So no this way. was one time we had, yeah, we had, I think, about nine agents on. At one point in time, we had three snipers posted. We had one person who escorted the the woman just to the front pew, you know, almost as like a boyfriend scenario. Two other people that were just sitting in cars. And this is all for money. <laughs> that's really what wow. it was. Yeah, and no, that's, was the last name Gambino or anything no. like that? <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't Chicago, it wasn't Chicago. so... <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, my God. Okay, so tell, tell us about tracking devices. That's a big deal that yeah. I've seen um, in a lot of my cases, actually. Um, so what's your, what's your thought on them? I think they're phenomenal for the price tag when they're used by the right people. Because you, know, you can go on Amazon and purchase one for around $100. You know, it's a GPS tracker, and it'll gauge. There's even ping times on these. You can have it ping real time, which is really once every second. And actually follow the person on your phone you know, if they've shut off their location from Find My Friends on Apple or whatever it is. Or you can have it, if you just want historical reference, you can have it check in every 15 minutes. And the battery will last like a year and a half that way. So for $100, you get to pay for this one-year subscription and actually see where this person is going. So if you're looking for leverage in a case against a narcissist, go for it. You know, they're, they're available. You can just... Type in GPS tracker in the Amazon yeah, the only, search. The only problem is it's not usually the other person who's using it. It's usually the narcissist that's using it against you. you For know? sure, yeah. And where these go in, because the better ones have to be hardwired. So if the narcissist is saying, you know, I'm thinking like male to female scenario, it, you know, the husband's a narcissist says, hey, honey, I'll take in your car and get your oil changed. You know, if you're in the scenario to where you're already looking at divorce or, or whatever, or you're already fearful of what's going on, don't let them do that because the best devices need to be hardwired in and they're actually not much more money. You're talking $120 instead of a hundred bucks. You know, it's the best scenario for them to get this thing installed. The ones that are temporary are the ones that are a little bit less expensive and they just kind of go on with the magnets. So if you want, yeah, I've seen those. yeah just look under your car and see if there's this tiny little black box somewhere. It's not going to have a light or anything like that. It just looks like a black box, and it has to go on metal. Mm. Uh, and, and there's no way to know that it's on there, right? There's no I way mean. to know, no, not, at, not at all. And you can do bug sweepers in your house for listening devices and all that, but when it comes to GPS tracking devices, they, they don't get picked up by those bug sweepers, which bug sweepers are also available on Amazon. They're around 200 bucks if you want to spend the time to go around your home. Amazon, the everything store. No, no wonder Jeff Bezos is like so wealthy now. I think his net worth increased by like a hundred billion or something just during COVID. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) that's with a B. All people, (laughs) so crazy. But hey, with that amount, and he went through a divorce too, and then he did, and even gave gave over like yeah, money, and (laughs) he's already made it all back, and then some. Exactly. 
It's a, you know, good lesson for everybody. I mean, yeah, you can, yeah. you can recover. Uh, that's for sure. So, um, what would be your best advice for, uh, you know, anybody who is in the process of negotiating with a narcissist and worried about stalking, cybersecurity, all of this sort of thing that we've been talking about? Yeah. Keep your devices close to you. Don't let them in the sight of the possession of anybody else. And I know even when you get a walk away, you know, close the laptop. That way it just completely goes into standby. Take it with you in case you always try to take it with you. If you want to communicate covertly with anybody else, there's an app that I always suggest, Signal. That's the name because WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger or, God forbid, text messaging, those are all traceable and you can snag those right out of thin air. I mean, Jeff Bezos, we were talking, he was hacked using WhatsApp two years ago. So don't use those. Signal is by far the best that's out there. You can even set disappearing messages. They're encrypted end to end. You can even put a separate pin code on the Signal app itself. And if you change devices or any tracking app, they cannot get into that to see those messages. So it's the best way. And you can get your attorney on that too. It's a great form of communication back and forth. It's completely private. Is that the one that the messages kind of like just disappear like after they're sent or something like that? You can. You can set them to disappear. It's to self-destruct immediately. You can set six hours, 12 hours, whatever you want. You know, most of my conversations, because mine are security related or I'm in an IPO right now, so all of our encrypted communications go through the Signal app in regards to the IPO. And they self-destruct at around six hours or so, I think is what it's set to. That way you can actually go back and see the conversation because sometimes you forget what you said. Yeah. Um, so uh, there was one that was, I, I think it, it, Mark Cuban had um, created the app and it was something similar. I don't know if it was that one yeah, or not. Yeah, that didn't take off too much. And uh, there's uh, also, okay. as we're talking, uh, Snapchat's another one, obviously, where they disappear. But don't use Snapchat's. Because those are still, you know, I don't know, you've probably seen and have some stories of some really hairy divorces when they go into the discovery part of the divorce and of the, of the trial. And I don't know what can be subpoenaed because I'm not the attorney, but I do know from Snapchat's perspective, they store all your messages on the mm. servers. And if they're subpoenaed, they give them all up. Signal does not do that. They are not stored anywhere. They're just transmitted. And this is what we call two things in cybersecurity is data at rest and data in transit. Those are the two main areas that that are protected. So data at rest, when I was talking about the Signal app, that's right here, it's completely secure on your device, on your phone. Nobody else can get into it. Data in transit is where Signal just sends it and it's completely encrypted. If it's sniffed out of thin air, you can't see what the contents are. And Signal also does not store it on their servers. It's just always in transit. It's never stored. Snapchat has like a resting period. So it goes to their servers, stays there, completely wide open to the world, and then gets passed on. All right. So for all of you out there who want to cheat on your spouse, Signal. Exactly. It's always Snapchat. Snapchat will give up all your dirty photos. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, well, thank you so much. This was so fascinating. Honestly, I feel like we could just dive deeper into like each one of these things could be like a topic on its own. It's like a mini episode, each one. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. So thank you so much. Super fascinating. Where can we learn more about you? RickJordan.tv. You can find out everything about me there and everything from my, my cybersecurity firm, my podcast, everything. 
Yeah, and you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Yep, Mr. Rick Jordan. Mr. Rick Jordan, and um, I've been on his Instagram and on his show, and go follow him, check out his stuff, and um, you know, go hire him if you want to yeah. learn yeah. more information. <laughs> if you go on Instagram, uh, either... I'll lift you up. I like the motivation side of it a lot, because there's a lot of dark yeah. people out there, so let's just lift yeah. people up. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, thank you so much. This was absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.